With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City, it's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome, day two, the Australian Open podcast, day two on Ed McGrogan, talking with Steve Tigner down in Melbourne. Uh, as we record this, we still have a couple matches going on. This turned into a very long day on the schedule. Um, we have Serena Williams still to be playing her match with uh, Tamara Pacek on Wadley Arena, and uh, the Aussie Leighton Hewitt is still embroiled in a uh, battle with a uh, Cedric Marcel Steve here. This is turning into a four or five hour match. So, uh, but the bigger news beforehand was the other main Aussie on the card, Sam Stozer, U.S. Open champ, going down in round one. Um, people talked about how Stozer just has had so much trouble living up to the hype down in Australia, but this is kind of a bottoming out considering all that she had accomplished and you know all the focus that was on her. What was uh, the sort of the reaction down there that you sense from maybe the fans and the media uh, about this latest disappointment? I think it's funny how little surprise there was this this morning. Uh, one of the main papers here had a had an article basically talking about interviewing a bunch of um, well-known Aussie players from the past, Pat Cash and um, a few other ex-champs, talking about how hard it is to win down here. Um, for the home, home um, country players and how they were worried about Stoser. Um, Pat Cash said that it's particularly hard. It was hard for him. He won at Wimbledon and then he came back to Australia and everybody expected him to win here. Uh, the same thing was he expected the same thing to happen to Stoser. She'd won the U.S. Open and she was going to come back here and feel, you know, even more pressure than she's felt before. The, the, the people talked about how, how. Um, they're away from this country for so long and they come back for this brief period of time, it somehow makes it a lot harder. Everybody wants a piece of you when you're down here. And Stoser's never been good at um, at handling that. She admits that. She's admitted that even more this year than she ever has as far as... So it just seemed like not a lot of um, surprise or even in the crowd. It was just seemed sort of, you know, there wasn't a lot of shock. It didn't seem to me in the crowd when, when she lost. She also lost so... Badly, it wasn't close. She never really made a run. She just missed balls and was outplayed by Sirstea. So, um, so yeah, that it was surprising to me how little sort of reaction there was to her losing. It was the same last year, though. What about Sirstea? A little bit. Can you talk about her from what you saw? Yeah, she was. You know, she's somebody from maybe three years ago. She had a couple of good wins, and she seemed like somebody. She sort of came up with with Azarenka and Wozniacki, and then she she's had some injuries and just 
you know, has never been as consistent or as, as good as them, sort of faded away, maybe had some motivation problems, but has a game, uh, clearly, and she showed that today. She has an incredible forehand, too. There's just some of those, they're just very, very whipping shots, and there was one at the end there. I, the the last game of the match, actually, I think, kind of typified the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I think for a player like her, it's really... You're right. Three years ago, I think she made the French Open quarters, and uh, you know, even if it's a even if a letdown comes after a performance like this, I think you say this is just big progress for a, a real, still a really young player. But um, but that's kind of how it is for her, and then for Stozer, like you said, I got the same sense from watching it here on television that um, it wasn't like the crowd was was uh, you know emotionally invested, devastated, what you will. I did just get that vibe that you're describing there, too, of, of, of the whole performance, I guess. Um, I think the crowds were more into it for players like Djokovic, um, who have just been kind of obviously on a class of their own. Both him and Petra Kvitova, the two, I think, um, common favorites for this tournament, both played their opening round matches today and both won, uh, I think both lost just two games total. Um, just, uh, did you get to see any of those two before? It's obviously a first round match for those two, so you're not going to expect too much in terms of competition, but just any thoughts on those two in their first matches? Yeah, I did. Um, Kvitova looked good. I was you know, a little worried about her. I'd seen a stat where in her last nine outdoor hardcore matches, she was three and six and, one of the big events that we that we had said was a you know a big turning point for her was this tournament in Istanbul last year that was indoors so she's obviously a good indoor player um, so I was you know and she didn't have a great tournament in Sydney last week but she put it together well um, in the first round she you know there were no real problems she was always hit or miss and she she had it going Djokovic at the very beginning looked like it was a hot day really hot and humid it looked like he was going to be affected by it. And sort of remember that last year, one of the one of the reasons that he was so good here was that he never had to. It was a cool tournament, so it sort of made me think, you know, have we seen him in this kind of heat for a while? But then, you know, I look I look up. I, I went went and did something, did some work, and uh, and I came back and and he won the last two sets six zero six zero. So obviously, I didn't see any of that. So obviously, he didn't have any trouble with the heat. The way it was described is he was, you know, he was as good as ever. Yeah, another um, another player as well who came back from a slow start, though I wouldn't necessarily say it was all of his doing, was Andy Murray, and that was the match you wrote on today against Ryan Harrison. Um, Harrison took the first set uh, just absolutely, the backhand especially was um, a really really well struck early on basically all the all of his shots really you know good connection um and really kind of taken control of most of the points but murray ended up taking the last three sets in this match um if you want to sum up what you wrote about this uh for both men maybe why don't you uh give that a shot yeah uh, murray started out he said he was nervous at the start and i think that was partially because because of lendl he said later that he really wanted to come out and get a good start with his first match um, with Lendl, and he just he he didn't, and there were there was also the fact that he never played with played and Harrison just came out firing. You know, he he had that backhand that's been a 
kind of a weak shot for him and it's definitely he talked about after the match how he needs to improve his backhand that's the big key for his year especially that down the line backhand it's a shot two hand backhand a shot a lot of guys have and a lot of guys can hit for winners that he generally doesn't he hit a few early for winners uh, which was a good sign he still says that's a shot that's going to have to get a lot more consistent but that was a that was a sign anyway that he's been working on it. he can he can hit it as far as Murray he kind of you know last couple of weeks ago in Brisbane we saw him really go on the attack more uh, than, than was normal today he didn't play that way I think he just wanted to get through this one the, the big I think the the big element that was different about Murray was his calmness. He, even when he was losing early, there was no screaming, very little screaming. A little of it came out later, of course, but but um, not a lot of muttering, not a lot of talking to himself, not a lot of yelling it up into his box. And afterward, he said that, that Lendl was particularly happy about that. So that's something, something that they, they've they talked about. It was a clear change, even in one match, from, from what Murray had been like before. So obviously Lendl is has already had his effect. Well, I suppose Murray also got, um, he, I, I guess he said something to the effect he was trying to uh, rattle Harrison a little bit before this match. I, we did see the racket tossing come out eventually with uh, with Ryan there by the end of this one. I didn't see Murray do anything, though. The time... was it? Yeah, it certainly wasn't provoked, but... Uh, the, t- the times that Harrison did get angry... Um, Murray, I noticed that Murray looked over and watched him, and and was sort of like, "All right, here we go, <laughs> I've done it." <laughs> yeah, but um, but you know, it was just more of his game, and just more Harrison just sort of slowly unraveled. And I think Harrison was pretty happy with his performance overall, though. Yeah, I think it was um, a good sign if you if you're looking for him to make kind of a move this year. We'll we'll see where it goes, but I think overall, if you're going to take a set off a top four player at a slam, you know, it's pretty good work for a first round draw on sort of an unlucky draw there in a first round for him. Um, last match I wanted to make mention of was, um, this was a late match that got in Joel Friedsong um, beats Dennis Istemann. Uh This was a, a night match scheduled from Margaret court arena. Um, that arena has been sort of in the center of spotlight for other reasons with court's comments, but, but you were there for about a set of that match. And, um, just, um, I thought the atmosphere more than anything was, was contributed so much to the attractiveness of that match on TV. There was really great tennis too, from both guys at various points, but, um, you were right on about that one being kind of an underrated match to see, uh, one of the best matches of the day. I thought actually, yeah, Songa seems to own that court. They put him on um, in the evening generally. He's been there a lot of times in the last two or three years. He'll be the 7 o'clock early evening match that the night that the day session people get to go to. Um, and Margaret Court Arena is a lot like, for U.S. people who have been to the U.S. Open, it's a lot like Louis Armstrong Stadium except with lots of seagulls overhead. Um, but otherwise it's a very, you know, it's... And, and droppings overhead from what I was yeah. told from Brad Gilbert, so that's, yes. That's a... You know that's a good part of it, um, but it, you know for when you come here from from the U.S. it's suddenly or it's summer, so it's it's sort of there was this summer, midsummer sort of scene, uh, really crowded, people very into it. Songa, you know, like anywhere, he's he's pretty much a crowd favorite, and you know he can you can tell he's he he likes that scene, um, so a nice you know, like a nice um, uh, fan scene out there for for that match. All right. Good to hear. Um, and like you said, 
couple matches still wrapping up here. Um, Hewitt on the brink of coming back from 5-2 down in the 4th. We will let you know how it turns out and all of day three in tomorrow's podcast. Uh, for Steve Tigner, Ed McGrogan, tune in tomorrow. Thanks again. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 